The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. To a special uh, edition of the Brandon Peters Show, and I'll call it a 4K Blues Day since I haven't had one of those, and it's very uh, relevant here with uh, my guest returning to the show from Reverend Entertainment. It is the one and only Justin Beam. Thank you for having me back on. No problem. Thanks for coming back on. This yeah, kind of a quick, quick thing. We're just like talking and like, you know what? Let's do this. Let's record. So we're yeah. gonna record and we're yeah, going. Had a lot of fun last time, and I love the show. And thank you for your patience. I was under the weather this mm-hmm. week, and so uh, bringing me back in and really appreciate it, man. It's gonna always, be fun. I will always wait <laughs> for, for other people. I move on. Justin Beam gets the wait. So oh, there geez. you go. There you go. Oh, uh, so um, welcome back. You're of course always busy here with the the Blu-rays, the 4Ks, uh, pioneer, well, pioneering, breaking through, getting some of the master the pieces to make the most definitive editions of blu-rays wherever you can and will and recently we're getting that with child's play one two and three from you so Mm -hmm. we'll start there these are coming out um tuesday the 16th of august which might be the day you're listening to this it might be after it might be before i don't know um it could be two years from now you popped on this podcast (laughs) talking about it but um these are coming from uh scream factory the horror branch or shout factory um w- did you get the call for these were you helping to usher these in yeah the, uh, they they gave me the call on it i was in a meeting and they they said they just they wanted me to do all three at once which is pretty cool because a lot of times if it's a series it's kind of broken up among producers because of the volume of the content mm-hmm. but luckily with these i was i was able to include relevant people to you know with all of them it's mm-hmm. like don mancini for example one interview and they covered all three but it was really exciting for me i've been a huge fan since i was a kid i still have the videotape that we recorded off of like a friend of mine recorded for me wgn or something of child's play that we used to watch it's that and it's i'm gonna get you sucker it's oh. those two movies oh wow on one tape and my brother and i just wore it out as kids and uh certainly probably the only two kids quoting I'm going to get you suck at my school but both had a tremendous impact on me and so to work on these was really exciting and right now there's this whole chucky thing with the success of the series Mm -hmm. it's a great moment for this universe and to put my toe in that water a little bit was a great honor where are you at with with the child's play series as a whole like where um is it one of your? Is it one of your faves? Just one you kind of have you have you been there since the beginning? Is it taking longer to appreciate? Where where do you fall with Child's Play? That's a great question. I know the first three films very well, and I even have this. I have the novelization from the second one that used to sit in the in the drawer in the downstairs bathroom at my parents' house. Okay, all the time as I was a kid, there were two books. Like this bathroom is never used, and but there were two drawers in there. One of them 
you opened it up and it had a Batman Which Way book, which is like a fine, oh. like a choose your own yeah, adventure yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. But it was called Which Way, I think, and Batman swinging on the cover. And then the other one was the Child's Play 2 novelization. And I don't at all remember how I came into possession of that. Mm -hmm. There was a paperback exchange shop in downtown Marion, Iowa, where I grew okay. up that I used to buy just about anything from. I just go in on sale days and load up and whatever. So anyway, and then I mentioned my brother and I knowing the first film, especially super well. And I don't know how many times we'd be like, ugly doll. Fuck you. You know, we, <laughs> we, we knew all the lines. Yes. And then the second one was a real exciting thing. The third one. I want to say I may have even seen in theaters. I think I might have oh, seen okay. the third one in theaters. You were one and, of the five people. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. yeah. Maybe, I can't remember. Maybe that was on a revival screening. I know I saw it in a mm. theater at some point, but anyway, I could be conflating memories. Funny, post but, note to that, <clears throat> Charles Play 2 novelization. Mm -hmm. When I did my live show last summer 2021 at PopCon, uh, my cohort and the MC of the show Jessica uh she went and got prizes random weird prizes from she went to a couple thrift stores mm -hmm. and one of the prizes she handed out was the novelization of Child's Play 2 whoa and my eyes went like and she's like yeah here you go I'm like do you know how much money you just gave to that person <laughs> she's like what do you mean I'm like there's a whole underground world of horror novelization collecting oh, yeah. and she's like what do you mean I go that's probably worth like 60 to 80 bucks she's like shut up so I went on eBay is it worth her. that much wow yeah Jeez. Anyways, continue. I <laughs> well, my my friend Jim Coons, he's doing a doc. He's been working for years on a documentary all about the not the world of novelizations. Okay. And if you look it up, I'll find it. But um, it I can't remember the name of it. But it's um, it's almost finished. I think it's it's been in post for a little while. Okay. But he he if you walk into his studio, he has this incredible like five shelf wall that's nothing but novelizations. Oh, and if wow. it's out there, he's bought it. If he can't find it, he's looking for it. It's the most, it has to be the most thorough collection Some anywhere. Some are just like pricey as hell. Yeah. I looked in them like, that's neat. And then I saw the, the I was like, yeah, I'm not going to get into that collecting. It'd be cool. But I think most of it's because it's, they're back in the day, you couldn't update the writer. You had to give them like a script and it went off that. And then, so there's deleted scenes, alternate oh, yeah. lines. Uh, all sorts of stuff from, and that's why I think the novelty, because not a lot of these movies, uh, DVDs and stuff can find the deleted material or have, right. you know, yeah. have it available yeah. or got editions. So I think that's sort of the appeal from people to actually read them. Yeah. I was just having this discussion with someone else the other day. And so I had some of these at hand that I have, I have a few, I have oh, Halloween. Okay. Halloween two, three, oh. four. Okay. And then I have the the Halloween Young Adult. Books. I have the first one of that and I have the two of the Friday the thirteenth ones. No, I don't have any of those. I do have oh, Friday okay. three. Okay. I have the fog. And oh. then this is why it came up as Funhouse, because I was talking to someone about the Funhouse Blu-ray that we just did. Which so, did you do a twofer with Craig Reardon for Child's Play and then for that, or did you get back with him for Funhouse? I got back with him. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I saw that, I was like, "Oh wait, he's on the Funhouse one too." Because I think I was reviewing him at the time the the details came out for that, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder if he doubled up this interview here." No, not on that one. No, okay. on, on, but back to the Child's Play thing mm -hmm. on the on Alex, I did one and two in the same session, of course. Mm -hmm. 
and on Don, and then David Kirshner, I did one, two, and three all. I mean, Don and David were all three at the same time in right. one session, but they were in the in the middle of shooting the series at the time when we did it. Oh, so, okay. <clears throat> I'm glad that the the whole COVID thing is changing. Mm-hmm. And I hope it it continues to progress as it has, but that really caused a lot of speed bumps for us as we were trying mm-hmm. to create these features and trying to do interviews right. at a time when, especially in LA, you just straight couldn't. No mm-hmm. one, it wasn't even just about people, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable doing this in person. It was like, in a lot of cases, they just couldn't. Yeah. So this is the last vestige of a remote interview, like uh as a result of the production schedule on Chucky, mm-hmm. Don and Alex had to be remote interviews, but still, I mean, the connection with those guys was amazing. Mm-hmm. And with David Kirshner, especially, and we can dive in as deep as you want on these. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, with definitely. those three guys, man, it was just incredible. The conversations and Alex and I got so deep and mm-hmm. in, into very emotional territory. Oh yeah. No, he had to cut off at one point in a uh, child's was it? Which shot? Maybe the first one. Mm-hmm. I think he he had to tell you to stop. <laughs> He's like, nope. Uh, because I asked him about Don. I said, yeah. I said, tell me. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I'm like, tell me about Don. And he just could not answer that question. Mm-hmm. And it was a a really powerful moment. And it's one of those where I I never record myself because I'm never a part of these things, right? Right. And, but you hear me off camera. Mm-hmm. A little bit. So I put a little text at the bottom to set up the moment mm-hmm. that says, you know, producer and what about Don? And it's just such a touching moment. It reminds yeah. me of when Felissa, like Felissa Rose at the end of the sleepaway camp conversation many years ago when I did that disc, mm-hmm. it was the same thing. And I asked her a question. I ask everybody at the end of these things, I say, so what is this, what does this film mean to you now? Yeah. And she went into this explanation like it gave me my family it gave me everything it it gave me my life and then she starts to tear up and then she looks at me and kind of like nods and cut you know (laughs) it was awesome just amazing i love when it gets that real right no no and you tend to bring that out of people too that i notice that a lot of people don't like i've always commented that i can tell when justin has interviewed john carpenter as opposed to other people um, with things that come out but you tend to get a I think people they they find a nice like trust in you and stuff and and you give it back to them. It's not like you just are bu- buying it out of them, but you form a nice bond with your your subjects if you want to call them subjects. Mm. But I, I think I see a, a lot more comfort and personality coming out of them rather than just like oh let's sit and do an interview. Like they seem comfortable and they let just whatever fly mm. um, a lot of times too. Uh, I, I appreciate noticed, that. Thank you. No, no problem. I I looked at you. I was like, you've always taught me or taught and given me pointers about like talking about interviews with people. I try to use up, never be as great, but hey, it uh, it does help and it's appreciated. And it's something I always look at. I'm like, oh man, look what he's getting out of these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is good stuff. Uh, in your sets, do you? I have a question because the first child's played um on your added material, which I think is great because they put out a boffo regular standard blu-ray one like six years ago i was like did they didn't they just put a child's play a couple years ago i was like no it was six years ago yeah well it's like you know five years plus a pandemic and then two years so it feels Mm -hmm. you know uh but do you pick the order in which they're going to show those or the to list them or does 
no screen factory do that a good question no i i never have i trying to think if that's ever been the case they prioritize them okay it's it's marketing that does that and that i think falls in the hands of jeff nelson on the Mm -hmm. shop factory and scream factory rather jeff is you know how dialed in he is with horror i mean the guy he's an encyclopedia and so i think he is probably the one telling them put this guy this gal whoever it Mm -hmm. is first and some of the things that and i'm always cool with that i know i've had some pretty obtuse features Mm-hmm. on some of these things and i understand when they get bumped to the bottom of the list like right. on killer party that came out i was so excited about white sister mm-hmm. the band you have do you know the movie killer party I do, did I we discuss the, this I, already no 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 i i have I, I haven't got the blu-ray of killer party yet i have the the old warner archive dvd of it, oh, but man. i don't i need to get the blu-ray of. they didn't send me that one for review but I you do need to pick uh, it's yeah. so great i mean the movie is so fun anyway and that's one I know we're talking child's play right now, but that that's one where I swore all my life. I'm like, if I ever, because I've, I've been toting the VHS around forever. Mm-hmm. And then I got the archive DVD of it. And I always said, if I ever get to work on this release, I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate white sister. So if you remember yeah. killer party, it starts off with a girl at a drive-in and mm-hmm. she is all of a sudden in an empty concession stand after she walks from her car, from her boyfriend. And then a straight up music video breaks out. Yeah, and, and so it's a music video, and then it's zombies, and it's cars burning. It's insane. Yeah, and it's a full length music video at mm-hmm. the beginning of this movie, at the very beginning, and then, then they fake you out. They, she returns to the car, and then it's it's like a fake out, and then into another fake out, back into the movie, and then it's it's like a double fake out at the beginning of the film to set it up where it goes from this straight up music video back into the film itself and then everyone in the shot looks up at the camera and goes like gotcha so it's this insane moment and mm-hmm. then beyond that then the girl turns off a tv and you realize you've been watching this on a tv in her room the whole time yeah which is also bizarre and i was obsessed with how weird that setup was all my yeah. life and i love this sort of synthy hairband called white sister that does that song and it's rare in these movies that it's a real band white sister mm-hmm. was a real band with oh, real wow. albums and they so immediately when i got hired for that one I, I i they were the first two people that i reached out to before any cast or anything mm-hmm. the guys the two surviving members i reached out to and they were both more than happy and very gracious to do the interviews i even have oh we just i just moved recently so i don't have everything unpacked yet but I had, they sent me a care package with oh. some stickers and a shirt and guitar picks and CDs and stuff. Oh, and wow. I was just the most excited thing. Anyway, it became this celebration of this band that not many people have heard of right. from Pasadena or from uh, Burbank. And I was the most excited about that feature on there. And it's at the very bottom of the list on the back to your point a moment ago, yeah. just because I understand no one, not that many people are probably dialing in picking right. up that disc for the white sister thing but for me that's where my heart went first was well, to that, that that's the thing i like to see though like because i'm a big i'm a i'm a doctor who fan and they put out these great uh they've been putting out for the last four or five years they've been finally putting out they've been putting the classic series out on blu-ray in mm-hmm. season sets they'd never put them out in season sets before they put them uh serial by serial because the season would comprise of five serials so they'd never put them okay. together in once but they're doing awesome bonus material for those that are outside of the box, but still tell the kind of like 
making up story maybe somebody wants to hear or something mm. through that. Like they had a uh, one I always talk about is uh, season twenty three when they put that out. Around that time uh, in pop culture, they released a Doctor Who cookbook. And they did a, a feature featurette called the Doctor Who Cookbook Revisited, where they went to all the cast that provided these recipes. They went to their homes, cooked that with them, Amazing. talked about shows, talked about that cookbook and stuff. And you get a real sense of like them, what it was like at the time. And, and they just go to everybody's house. And one of them, Fraser Hines, who was a companion in the second Doctor season in the 60s, he's like, I just wanted to be a part of this. I grabbed some recipe, called it Jamie's something, something and threw it in. I've never made this before. <laughs> Good for him. Like, and then, uh, one of them, uh, was like, you know, I'm, I, I'm vegan now. I can't make this. So I'm going to make this thing instead. And they, they do that. Um, but yeah, it's really neat. And you get these, you know, people, uh, but they do a lot of different featurettes like that. They had one, there was a, it's called Looking for Lenny. It was a director that worked on a couple uh, serials during the John Pertwee era, but he passed away, but he hadn't worked on like much else or anything. Mm-hmm. So they called it Looking for Lenny, and they went and tried to find out as much information about this guy's life as possible, built this story, visiting family and all this sorts of things, talk about this guy who didn't direct much back in the day yeah. um, and told a story of him because those BBC people were like just, workman it was like a nine to five you know like yeah. not everybody was you know it was like working construction for them back in the right day. so yeah. those are the kind of things that i that that is definitely the kind of feature i would be jonesing about now like yeah oh my gosh that, that's a weird story that you know i i know what some people are going to say about people working on movies but this is going to be like what happened here like you'd have the yeah they would have the most unique story but yeah yeah that's it it was really fascinating and i did on willard I brought in the the animal trainers. Mm-hmm. I only got it out of my mouth. I brought in the <laughs> animal trainers because the movie has got like what two leads, right? You could say right. Crispin and the rats. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I said this on your previous discussion that we had, but I don't know if we talked about. I think you were getting ready to do Willard whenever we would have talked about Willard. I don't oh, okay. We, I don't think we've. I don't think it was out yet. And it it. I wanted to get the story of these guys mm-hmm. and there, and I find out that it's these Boone's Animals for Hollywood team who had animals in hundreds of TV shows and movies. And I reached out to these guys that I assumed would just be like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of busy. They couldn't have been more excited. And I realized that they're like, you know, we don't really know what to do here. Commentary. Like we've never done any. <laughs> and one of them said, I've never been interviewed before. And the other guy's like, I've never done a commentary. I don't really know. How does this work? And I'm like, you guys are legends. <laughs> and I can't believe this. And they were very nervous coming in. Oh, wow. And then it turned into just wall to wall animal love. And mm-hmm. it was oh, wow. amazing. It was, it was one of the most fun commentaries that I've ever had the pleasure of being a part of, man. It was really cool. But those side roads, that's the exciting stuff for me, for sure. Yeah. And you never know what you're going to run into when you meet somebody. You never know right. where they'll lead you in the discussion. And that's why I try to, when I'm, I, I go in with way more research than I need. And I do have my reference notes, like points that I want to touch on, mm-hmm. but I never stick to that if I don't have to. I, right. I it's let them yeah. lead to some extent, and then I'll bring it back if need be. But mm-hmm. man, once you, once they open up and get comfortable with it, that's when it's the it's the most fun and the most rewarding, and that's when the best stories come out. Yeah, excellent. Um, it's the reason I talked about the. Uh the order in the first place because there's a in the first child's play desk there's a there's a narrative crafted 
interestingly about Tom Holland working with him on the first one because it kind of weaves in and out of um, he might have been a bit much in the anger department to I never heard that sweetest man I know um, and it kind of weaves in and out um, with people talking about how he might have been on set um, so I thought and it played as I watched the interviews you know one after another it, it told this like weird background story about how Tom Holland might have been interesting um, I, I don't uh, um, I think I have the order here in front of me. I haven't received my copies yet, okay. but uh, there was the material from the old, from the previous releases uh-huh. that does include Tom, like an audio commentary. I think there's two commentaries with him. Yeah, yeah. He's and, he's very much been, you know, yeah, talked to about it. Uh, but I believe it's, I think Don Mancini's the first interview mm-hmm. and, and he just talks about like how he, he wasn't on set. Tom might not have been with people or whatever and then sarandon's like oh he's my good old buddy tom well I mean, you know, yeah but there was a little bit of even with like even with chris yeah 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 he was like he was like i might have needed to be there for him for some things and that's why he brought me here and yeah. then kirshner's like i i haven't heard anything about him and then no that's not true oh is it that's not oh. not true at all i don't want to spoil oh, it here oh, but, no, I, okay. but i will say that the the, and this this is an interesting thing about these okay. things where a lot of times, and I, I really don't read reviews, uh, I'll okay. re- read like yours, I'll read some friends stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm so hard on myself that I can't okay. bear to handle reviews. And I know that's probably very immature of me, but I, I no, just it's, can't. Sometimes stick the course, it's for the better. <laughs> I, I have to focus, you know, and if I get too inside my head more than I already am, it's going to mm-hmm. be a bad situation. So, um so I, I really avoid reviews, but sometimes people send me screenshots or make mention of something and it's, and they won't even have the special features like watched. It'll mm. just have a list of them, which is cool. It's showing the content and everything. But if you're going to review, especially in this day and age, I would think if you, if someone's reviewing the Blu-ray, they, they, they were surely watching everything that's on there. And I think mm-hmm. the fans probably want to know about those interviews. Right. Um, and so it's interesting to me to hear your story about the the narrative weave on this and and how you interpret that because you're watching everything mm-hmm. and uh even and and somewhere in that weave david's story got lost the the reality of david's okay. story got lost and i only bring this up because I, and i really don't want to spoil it here because i think it's arguably okay. it's probably the most important discussion on this whole disc yeah. is the conversation with David Kirshner on that first one. Mm-hmm. But um he most definitely had things to say about how okay. how Tom was on set. I must have Yeah. Fair enough. You were there, I was not. Uh Well, it's not no, it's not that at all. I mean, I I what I'm finding interesting though is just that we, even with you watch, watching him yeah. all like there is a narrative that appears that I hadn't thought about before now mm-hmm. with the bulk of the stories. Yeah. Cuz they are shout likes these things to be individual. They right. don't they don't really favor the documentary all in kind of approach right now. Yeah. Which I lament a little bit, but also I have other resources like other places where I get to thankfully do that. Mm-hmm. But um it really you spend time with these people, whereas right. in a lot of these all ins you might not get so much time. And I think there's a lot that you're you're being hit with when you have five or six interviews on one disc. That's a mm-hmm. lot of discussion to to go through. Yeah, because as you say, the very last one was my favorite because it was uh, Robert Latham Brown. Yeah. And he, he goes, well, aside from the time he jumped me and strangled me, we got along great. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? 
Or he, I don't think he said strangled. I think he said grabbed. Yeah. Or something like that. He grabbed me. But other, aside from that, we got along fine. Yeah. I was like, yeah. all right. I was like, that was the perfect uh, cherry on top of the one that led through that. But yeah. Um, yeah. You're talking about like, you know, people writing about the bonus features and stuff. I t- if they're new bonus features, I will, I will, I will give a rundown as best I can of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's like stuff carried over, I oh, usually yeah. time code it just to ensure people looking that oh, that's the same one, that's the same mm-hmm. one because it's I've reviewed it before or it's right. been there before. Do you know it? So I I spend my focus on I mean I try to make sure what's new and what's not and mm-hmm. things like that. And these child's play though, uh, for two and three, most definitely new because those have never that's dream uh getting those um finally there was rumors about some a uh, child's play two and three blu-rays a couple years ago from scream factory but yeah they finally came here with the 4ks and you got everybody you needed for those i was it took some time i think for them to get the license all cleared up <clears throat> and i know that they this the part one has been out of print for a while mm-hmm. and so they were sort of i think waiting till they could do something like this and i know that there's and there's a lot of people who are hoping that the rest of the series is going to be in queue now. And it would be, it would certainly be very exciting to continue with this throughout the whole series. If that's, if that's going to be a possibility, but yeah. yeah, man, like two and three, and then somehow three, I ended up with the most people on, Yeah, which yeah. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. You just never know. Was, was Justin Whalen not available or like I was, I didn't hear back. I tried in, in if, and that's another thing. If there's ever anybody that anyone's looking at these things and going like, why isn't blank involved? 100%. I, I tried mm-hmm. and I, and I have so many angles that I work from to try to get in touch with people. And I just, sometimes you just can't, and it could be scheduling. It could be representation standing in front of them and yeah. not feeling that it's worth their time. That's happened a lot too. He might not even just, I, I like he hasn't done anything since 2009. So he just might be, I'm out of the business. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> so. maybe. Yeah. And then that's the case too. Some, sometimes that's the case. Cause um, um, what was her yeah. name from uh, Friday the 13th? Jason lives the, the lead uh, female in that one. Um mm-hmm. With Tom Matt across Tom Matthews, can't remember her, but they for Crystal Lake Memories when they did the the documentary based off the book, yeah. they got her, and in the beginning she goes, "This is this is it. I've never like I've ignored these for years. I don't do conventions. I yeah. want to forget that part of my life, but here it is. I will yep. be my one interview for this. That's what Rick Baker did for me on King Kong. Oh wow, okay, because he had, I mean, he had made comments. He had been at some. Like he had, he had talked about it here and there in some interviews. He was at a screening, I think at the new Beverly at one point where they did a kind of a brief Q and a at the end of it mm-hmm. that he was a part of. But he, when I approached him about doing an interview for King Kong, he initially didn't respond. And then eventually he wrote back and he said, Justin, he said, I got to admit it was my wife who convinced me to do this. And it was her helping me understand this is probably my chance to set the record straight. This oh, is wow. going to, cause it'll live with the film, right? It'll carry on with yeah. the movie and his story is so fascinating and frustrating and challenging and at once wonderful that once we started talking then, which was originally planned to be an on-camera thing. And this was again, height of COVID Kong yeah. was totally COVID production. And, uh, he was in his workshop, which Rick is retired and he just now he, his creation's pretty much exist on Instagram 
where he's just loving going to his workshop after he and his wife have breakfast in the morning and just creating all the things he never got hired to create, which is a really beautiful thing. So he's in a really good place personally and creatively. So he's in this environment and we start having this conversation. And I I probably asked him three questions the whole time, Mm -hmm. but he just started this chronological story from the beginning. Like we started back when he was a kid and his Mm -hmm. relationship with Dick Smith and then it, he just kept going through and he would pause once in a while. Like, is this going okay? Like, are you, how are you feeling about it? I'm like, man, keep going. But I was, I instantly realized this is going to have to be a commentary track right. because I don't want to lose any of this. And then he started really getting into the weeds on the Kong stuff and revealing a lot of stories that he's never told before about it. And mm-hmm. it was just such an honor to, yeah. to capture all this. And right. then at the end, um, when we were talking about how the structure was going to go on it, I reassured him. Yeah. You, I mean, this is a rare time. Usually you don't have the people listen to it or watch it because too many cooks in the kitchen can really cause a lot of problems. And also we're usually on a pretty short schedule on these things. So there's not that, that gracious time window that some bigger projects would have, but I, I let him watch it. And then I asked for his notes on it and he came back with just a couple subtle things. He's like, I don't know if I come off very well with this or whatever, but for the most part, he was very happy with how it turned out. And that's another one of these features that I don't, I, I'm, I was blown away. And then he sent me a book. He has this incredible book metamorphosis. It's a two volume boxed set book that weighs like eight, pounds it's massive mm-hmm. and then in the mail i get this signed copy it's like a 300 book or something and he has sent me one Ooh. very sweet and um but it's a i i haven't heard a lot of folks diving in on that but i encourage especially anyone who's into makeup anyone mm-hmm. who's in the history of makeup and uh not just a kong fan but i really encourage anyone who's even remotely interested in that whole world of special effects makeup and the and the career of Rick Baker. I don't think there's anything else like that commentary track out there. And that's all him just sort of hitting play on his heart yeah. and just opening the floodgates and me just being lucky enough to be on the other end recording it, man. It was amazing. Yeah. That was a great release. Awesome. I actually I actually found more respect for that movie with that release. And I really like mm. that extended television cut that was, over. Yeah. I think I liked that better than the theatrical cut, to be honest. I, I had no idea they were going to put that on there. And then when I saw the yeah. features, I'm like, wait, what? That's so yeah. cool. That's a great release. Uh, yeah. yeah. I really like that one a lot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, moving. Uh, so I know you, I'm going to, I'm just going to see what I can get. I know you're not going to uh, be able to say much at this time, but the, this upcoming Halloween set, you're involved with resurrection. Right. And not the other two? Not the other two. Not the other two. Are you able to share any idea of what direction you want to go with it or anything like that? Well, it's all done. Oh, it's all done. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But not announced. I don't think your details are announced. Your features are not announced yet. No. Okay. And there are people who are involved in the, as to the the releases being from different producers, there are, Mm -hmm. without, I mean, uh, there are people who are directly associated with at least one of those films that are now in the world of doing documentary and things. And so they made all the sense in the world to be the ones behind okay. the special features on one of them on uh, the other. I'm not really sure who ended up tackling it or how much they're doing for it, but resurrection was an interesting thing because it's a movie that 
a lot of fans struggle with in terms of the franchise. And it's one that has, it's similar to Child's Play 3, I, I'd say, in that people have a, a notion about it. Maybe when you revisit it, it might be better than what you remembered it being. Mm -hmm. But I also know that there are some people that I've encountered over time who it's their favorite movie in the, fr in the franchise because everyone puts their, everyone steps into the stream at some point, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I've met people who are just super fans of that. I, there's a lot of things about it that I've loved for a long time from almost like a kitschy standpoint too, <laughs> like trick or treat motherfucker. Yeah. And did you get to talk to Busta? Are you allowed <clears throat> to say? I can't answer any questions on any of the features. But what I will say okay. is that I'll everyone that. <laughs> that you would think I, that I wanted to try to get involved with it, I definitely um, was thinking on the same front. Okay. But it is, it's, I think um, being that I mentioned Child's Play 3, like the stories mm -hmm. behind that largely untold, the stories behind Resurrection largely untold as well. Yeah. And they achieved some special stuff with that movie. That That film was shot basically entirely on a soundstage. Yeah. Yeah. And they did an there's some amazing production design in that film and some real daring swings for some things. And right. there's I what I will say is that there is we were talking about these kind of side road yeah features that might not be the most obvious things. There's someone on this that is so crucial to a lot of what people love about some of the Halloween movies okay. and beyond that I don't think anyone's ever really heard the stories from before. Okay. And there's a really, really cool story that's on Resurrection oh, that, excellent. That, that that is going to, I think, really uh, be of great interest to Halloween fans. Regardless of the thoughts on the quality of the movie or whatever, the stories that can be told about are far entertaining and worth picking up for. That's what totally. the joy of some of these are. I've, totally. uh, I have a question regarding resurrection mm -hmm. that sounds like it'd probably be not in the cards to do but when that movie came out uh rick rosenthal he mentioned that a cut of the film he wanted to do for like a dvd release uh told purely through the head cams in that movie uh with the potential to be able to hit the angle button and switch characters mm -hmm. Is that even remotely possible in this day and age to get on a release and that anyone would want to put that time and effort into a resurrection release? Well, there is multi-pronged pitchfork on this one to answer that. <laughs> one, yes, they did consider that for the film. Okay. They, yeah. they, that was discussed. And several of the people in the interviews mentioned that. Mm -hmm. So they, it is talked about why that, what was considered how it was approached and then what the evaluation was of the practicality of that. The story behind the, the stories behind these head cams and everything is it's pretty interesting too, because it was a very complicated shoot for the people involved due to the fact that you had all these live cameras that they would just switch and like, you're going to be live for the, for this next, this next sh shot that we're doing here. You're right. completely live the whole time. Then you're live. Then I need both of you looking at each other. I mean, Rick was having to see, from a kind of 360, very immersive director perspective in a way that is very unusual because of all that technology. Also, one of the notes that I'd like to throw out there is that that footage, everything that they shot for the most, I mean, not literally everything, but a great deal of it, I think it's like 45 minutes of it, 
mm-hmm. is on the Blu-ray that already exists. Right. There was that. And yeah. that will be ported forward. So if someone wanted to cut that together into something, they could. Gotcha. That would be the third point is that you could take a, you know, like the Friday the 13th fans got sick of waiting for a snowy Friday the 13th movie. So they just started making one. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know, I mean, it's, I, I love this stuff being in the hands of the fans like that. And this is a very similar situation where someone really wants to do it. If you have that Blu-ray, you already have that footage and, I think that's being ported forward as well for this, I presume. You can trick and treat us, motherfucker. Whoever that's the, right. the motherfucker is that is the fan that would do it. So, yeah. Or maybe it's already out there somewhere and I just am not right. privy to... to I, I don't dive deep into the, the, the message board Reddit slash fandom thing. Oh, so I, maybe I, the secrets I don't know of with that. Um, so yeah, okay. So that was... I'll, I'll pause on that one because I know you have to keep things under wraps, but I appreciate whatever you did talk yeah, about. Yeah, I so. wish I could say more, but what I will say is that the interviews that are there, just like you noted, are very interesting, and there's some there's some great stories from behind yeah. that film. Uh, also, speaking of great stories and stuff, I wanted to, I have a note here to remind myself to <clears> tell you <throat> that the Alligator 4K fucking rocked. Was, oh, yeah, that was, that was so fun. I had so much fun with that movie. That hit me like, like I think I watched the movie like, five times in a month because oh. of that thing and then you had a great brian cranston's interview on there did you that wasn't that from me no that, that was from, from felsher okay. which is okay michael had this thing and he got a couple of, he did uh, one of those where you shoot two or three different discussions with someone in one right. setting and that was so cool that and you know that's the first time i've always i've always given michael all the credit in the world for not only being a modern pioneer of this stuff mm-hmm. but also in the very beginning after I did the Halloween four and five Blu-rays when I was working at Trancus, he was the first one to call me in. Yeah, I think he was the very first one to call me in to do any of these special feature kind of okay. things. And I remember in the I got um I did interviews with Alice Cooper and John Carpenter for Prince of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And those were Michael wanted me to do those. And then I also did a commentary on Town That Dreaded Sundown. Right. put together that was a great commentary too yes with uh, james uh, this author james presley which mm-hmm. by the way J- at the time james was finishing up his book about town the dreaded sundown and now it's available so if you look up james presley and texarkana or okay whatever killer um it that it's an amazing book it's really outstanding but anyway this that release of alligator even though we didn't technically work together was the first time that we had features on the same thing that were new. Gotcha. It sounds like a a roundabout way to say it because he he's like he shot stuff for me before. I've shot stuff for him before and some mm-hmm. interviews here and there, but we've never had a disc. I've, maybe the Friday the Thirteenth set if he had something on there. I don't remember, but that where we were both and I I just was so excited by that. <laughs> I thought it was so awesome. Uh, yeah, I get it. That and and, uh, and to have it be Cranston. I mean that. That put that release on a whole other level. And it's like, what, what's he going to say? Yeah. My friend Jake has been saying for years, he always gives me shit. All that we used to all the time. He's like, yeah, you really aren't doing anything for the world until you get Alligator out there. And then finally, <laughs> and Shout Factory brought Alligator up forever before it came out. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was probably yeah. two, two years prior to that. That was on the get list. Happening. Like, I think all the, all the little license, uh, the sub, uh, sub licensors wanted it. And it was, yeah. And then they got it and they were like, nope, straight to 4K. It was not a, messing around. It was a long, 
road and I would bring it up regularly, you know, two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. Hey, how, how are we looking on alligator one and two? We're still trying. And then finally I got the call one day and I just jumped for joy. I, I, I was so excited to be a part of that. It was just yeah. awesome. And then John Hess and his brother, I made friends with on part two. He's the director okay. of part two. He also did watchers and stuff. Mm-hmm. John's an amazing guy. Like everybody associated with these things has so many great stories behind oh, yeah. them. It was such a, such a blast, man. Checked one off my bucket list for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. Um, segue bucket list. So there's a mm-hmm. bucket list thing for people. So I've, some of my peers that have had a little bit of questions, but, uh, maybe not your wheelhouse, but maybe you could, maybe, you know, something, are you a Godzilla fan at all? Uh, I'm, I, I, Love and respect to Godzilla, okay. but I'm by no means an aficionado and can't speak to it. I, I will say that the the only Godzilla film I owned as a kid was a videotape of Godzilla versus Megalon, which oh, I maintain wow. is the greatest Godzilla movie of all time. With that Jaguar and I get you. I, I am a Godzilla versus Dora. That's uh, the smog yeah. monster. That's my guy. Uh, there you go. So yeah, there's the high C era of of so shout or not shout factory, but Criterion put Criterion. out put the Showa era, which is the original run of films mm-hmm. through the 70s. Um, there's the high C era, which runs through like the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. that people want a set of. But the you get to America and the rights are really sticky. One of them's out of print. Uh, a couple of them were owned by the defunct Weinstein Company, like. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering that the possibility of a box set from that, but if you're not, I don't know anything about it, but, but I can speak to licensing and say that, that while on one hand I can say it's complicated with a lot of these series, especially when they've changed hands a lot over time. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, shot factory was able to do the impossible with Friday the 13th with Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. I mean, for that to have occurred, it's which with 4k there don't, doesn't look like they were able to rep. I mean, they're putting them out individually and then this three pack, uh, this three set, so it doesn't look like it's as simple a road going down the 4K hole with Halloween. Well, I think that the the rights are broken up once you get to that point. And you right, mentioned yeah. the Weinstein Company, and that's yeah. where that kind of enters into the discussion. And I think Lionsgate is involved with Rob's mm-hmm. movies. Yep. And so it's always such a sticky thing. But I'll yeah. tell you that those guys, Cliff and Jeff, speaking to Shop Factories and other things, man, they, they are working so hard to make everything that we all want to have happen, happen. And if it's not there, it's for a reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, if so hopefully in, the Godzilla thing happens. One through five individually, and then a, and then a box set of three. Fine, I'll take it. You're putting them on 4K, so I, and they're going to look good. They're not going to yeah. be... Because forever, like, until the until the 4K of Halloween 4, like, the transfer on that was, like, it was pretty good, but I'm like, I always felt there was room for improvement, and then, like, watching a whole new film when it came out on 4K. I yeah. was like, okay, someone went back... And actually restored this sucker because I don't know what Anchor Bay Lionsgate was doing at the time, but mm-hmm. I know you were involved with that early on. With those, you added some features to those in the yeah, Anchor and the, Bay back then. Yeah, yeah, it was Anchor Bay back then, and the they didn't. I mean, I I had to push for what I got out of those, right. which was basically one feature on each, which was commentaries, and I got Dwight Little on four, and then Don Shanks on five, mm-hmm. and they turned out wonderfully. But the, yeah, the transfer on four, I know there was some hiccup in it. Some people had, I don't know. Shout really does pay attention to this right. stuff. And when they can, it's not always possible. because The not original mono track is always there on their Halloween one. <laughs> yes. And that was a huge, like Jeff made sure of that yeah. for sure. I mean, that was an essential element. But 
it's not always possible through like when you're talking about studio involvement they don't yeah. always grant and sometimes they they'll even say no special features like nothing new and no transfer no special yeah. features so. sony used to be that way with no special and now they're i think they're allowing a little bit more leeway yeah but that's why i think like twilight time ate up their movies because a lot of people like shout factory stuff are like well if we're not doing special features we don't right. really want to pick up your movie yeah um that's cool uh yeah the difficulty yeah okay so you're an argento fan mm-hmm. like myself uh to uh four flies on gray velvet in the united states where does that lie no idea. No idea. I at one point was it with Paramount, but I don't know if that's true at all. I mean, I could check with my team at Paramount. But that could see. have expired too. So yeah, and, yeah. And I, I mean, Felcher might be a good point of resource on that right. one. He's in tune with the guys that that's that in my mind draws me to Blue Underground, Synapse, right, and those companies that he's a lot closer with than I am. So mm-hmm. they may have something. I mean, they just who was it? I just got this Tenebrae box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arrow and uh, Sy- Arrow? Synapse did. They did that to. So Synapse and Arrow have been collaborating. They did Phenomena together, and they which did is amazing. Tenebrae, yeah, uh, yeah. They've been doing. Arrow's been. You. They have this nice little. I've been ordering theirs from the UK because they've got these little uniform boxes. So I oh. put them on my um, shelf yeah. like that. Well, I like Synapse a lot myself. I review their titles too. Um, <clears throat> But they've been collaborating uh, a bunch for them, so that's that Synapse cool. Suspiria that came out a couple years oh, ago. It was worth the absolutely. like ten year wait. It was. It was. Worth, it was oh my god! One gosh. of the most outstanding home video releases ever. 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 Amazing. I just I pop that in all the time. Yeah. I just I love the color. It's like oh so oh, much color. Uh, it's gorgeous. I love somebody do Inferno on 4K. That would. I'm sure it's going to happen. I'm sure it's Argento. I mean, people don't let his stuff sit. Mm -hmm. So, well, there's a. Do you like Hitchcock? Hasn't gotten a Blu ray release. I know it's a TV movie. Um, But I did read that there was some. Apparently, there's five titles that have been restored recently to 4K that haven't Mm. been out on 4K yet. So, and it's rumored that Mother of Tears is one of them. Yeah. And I. That would be Dimension, right? That had that. I think yeah, Dimension had that, but that'd be a, I think Lionsgate would run that Lionsgate, now yeah. too. Yeah. But yeah, it's just oh, it's like I want it all. I'd love for that, you know, like yeah. just, here's a box set of everything. Every everybody got together, we all agreed, we'll split the money. Here you go. Yeah. What, what happened? Yeah. Um, I'm just not privy to a lot of insider stuff about who's signing what and mm-hmm. all that. I just because I I. I frankly don't have time to keep up with the right. a lot of the news online is really where a lot of that stuff shuffles around and mm-hmm. and not working directly with some of those companies that would do something like the Godzilla mm-hmm. you know, or the the Argento stuff. I mean that's that really seems like more in the wheelhouse of a Blue Underground or Synapse and yeah. I'm just I, I haven't had the fortune to work with them yet. I have seen like uh Kino Lorber, they've been snatching up a lot of big t- like stuff you think criterion's be, be putting out mm-hmm. they've been taking it up they don't do a lot of whole new new bonus features on their right. stuff but they're landed some big titles that i'm just like wow oh, okay sure. i don't know how they do what they do i don't know where their budget comes from because mm-hmm. the list of titles that they're releasing every month i just look and shake my head it's how 
How does one company release this volume of stuff? It's insane. And they've snagged a lot of early Kubrick stuff. I'm like, Criterion, did you let that go? Or did they outbid somebody making one big go at it? We're going to, I mean, they got into 4K before a lot of, so a lot of, a lot of companies did too. So that probably helped. But, and Criterion was kind of behind on 4K, I think, but behind a lot of other companies. Mm -hmm. I know that a, a number of the Paramount titles that I've done have been, were released by Criterion prior to what we did with them. Mm-hmm. So I think that yeah, you some did, companies uh, are just La Dolce like Vita, right? La Dolce Vita and Harold and Maude. That was a big Criterion release for a long time. Yeah. I think it, was, I don't know if Ragtime had been Criterion. I can't remember, but Ragtime as well. Uh, but, uh, Rosemary's Baby and Don't Look Now, they put out too, which yeah. is like, why weren't you guys putting it out in the first place? <laughs> you know, those. <laughs> Those titles, but I mean, because this is from long ago when you know sub licensing wasn't as getting titles like right. that. They just uh, went to that, but yeah, it's, it's kind of yeah, definitely interesting because yeah, La Dolce Vita went back because Criter- Criterion did that big uh, Fellini box set, and then right. then there was just that. I, I thought it was funny, it was like that random La Dolce Vita. I'm like, oh okay, and then it was like, oh new Scorsese interview. I'm like, oh well, mm-hmm. hello. There. And did you you did that interview? Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's you just never know what might pop up and i think it's great on the we've been talking mostly about shop factory but mm-hmm. on the paramount side they've those guys couldn't be more wonderful to to work with and to deal with and that continues to grow in really surprising ways too outside of the catalog titles that we've been doing mm-hmm. uh like this new release that just came out unhuman which is a blumhouse and epics film that okay that, and they teamed up with Paramount for it. It's. It had, had, were you even aware of Unhuman? Had you heard of of that? Let me. I'm pulling up a picture. It might. I'm not sure. I might have got. I get press releases for. Did it have like a streaming or a theatrical? It went direct to streaming, streaming. Yeah, and and iTunes and whatever. It's okay. Marcus Dunstan's newest film. Oh, okay. And that always, that's kind of blown me away that it didn't get more press than it did because Dunstan, I mean, he has such a huge fan base too. And it's got Brienne Jew in it as the okay. lead and she's so great. And this looks familiar. I, I probably got email bombed with it <laughs> with yeah. PR companies, but yes, I, the poster and stuff. Yeah, it does look familiar. It was oh, exciting to it. be a part of this thing because they, it was first run stuff. And mm-hmm. so as you know getting a chance to do the to assemble all the interviews into these pieces behind this thing that's brand new that's the first time i've had a chance to do that yeah and so that that's a new adventure and there are other things in a similar vein that are happening since then and it was just so exciting and and to see marcus in his process is really fascinating how he communicates mm-hmm. with actors on set he's very he's like me he's very rhythmic he's very musical yeah. and he'll carry his phone around with music playing to set the mood and to help people remember their beats he'll walk around you are running to the door you turn left and it matches the music and so in the the way that they can connect with it emotionally it's this unique resonance that music has that he's employing to help them dial into their characters which is so fascinating it's a neat movie it was it was really neat to be a part of and i hope that people discover it I hope it yeah. comes out on physical at some point with the features on there too. Oh, for sure, yeah, definitely, yeah, because it looks like it was on Epics set. Well, Epics is the, yeah, I mean, they teamed up with Blumhouse on the okay. production side of it, and then the Paramount was kind of a releasing entity for it. 
Gotcha. <clears throat> it's a cool movie, though. That was something different. Yeah, definitely. I need to add it to my list of things to check out for <laughs> yeah. sure. Um, so yeah, you mentioned like yeah, Paramount stuff like that. Like what? In not in a in a positive light. What's the differences in working with all these different like Vinegar Syndrome, Arrow, Shout, Paramount? What's the What's the kind of feel and vibe you get from each of those when you go into a project with those? Like, if they were to blindly tell you to do something, what is so and so like? What do you, what are they aiming mm-hmm. for more? Do you, you want oh, to it's talk great. about that or? Yeah, absolutely. And the okay. diversity is so wonderful with them. Mm-hmm. And it goes. This was kind of like when I was writing for the magazines when that was my mainstay thing mm-hmm. prior to all this stuff. When I where I started with regional music magazines and then went to Fangoria. And then I kind of assumed that there were lines in the sand around these different, these mastheads. So I didn't think of any, any thought about writing for famous monsters of Filmland. Mm-hmm. But then I started doing that simultaneously with Fango and everybody was cool with that. And then Scream out of the UK magazine was added into yeah. that. And so, it, but each one of them was a completely different experience, different editors, different, of course, production teams too. But the content they were looking for was diverse and allowed me to explore different avenues. But I kind of knew what each one was looking for and gotcha. what they were open to when I would pitch stuff. It's very similar with these companies you're talking about, where Vinegar, for example, I've done some shooting for them. Some some of it I've just handed off to them to send on to another editor. Okay. Sometimes the majority of what I've done for Vinegar is edit, so assembling things. Okay. And, um, and I've done a couple for them where I shot it and cut it. But for the most part, they, yeah, for the most part, it's been them hiring me as an editor for that, which the editor thing is something that I came around to just a couple years ago. I've always enjoyed sitting with the editor to cut these and to mm-hmm. assemble them. I really enjoy that bond with the editor. I've loved it so much. And th- I've been lucky enough that the people I've worked with have been very open to showing me this their tricks and their sleight of hand so i yeah. was learning as i was going on and getting a little braver was starting to assemble stuff and then i decided a couple of years ago to start tackling this on my own and it's just been so rewarding and it's that maybe it's the musician in me that likes to find the heart of a of a story and a song and see it through to the end and then know at the end of that process like man i i, I feel every ounce of this i feel every step in the process so the vinegar thing is primarily an editing gig and there's a, always something wild. I'm editing yeah. like TC 2000, which is a Billy right. Blanks movie. Right. Yeah. And then I'm doing video violence one and two. And then I'm doing, uh, gosh, what are some others that I've done for them? I mean, it's just so, do you do, you do any other porn stuff or like, no, I haven't ever, no, I haven't gotten into that. I don't do, I'm not even sure they do special features on that stuff, but like okay. blades, for example, I've, yeah. I've long loved blades from the old trauma double header release that had blades and blood hook on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a bizarrely obsessed with blood hook. Yeah. And th- that's I have still that one. Yeah. One of my all, w- that's one when I heard the news of that and I wasn't part of it, but that was one that I never in a million years thought would see beyond VHS, let alone onto DVD and then onto Blu-ray. But anyway, regardless, the Blades is one of the, if you haven't seen it, it's one of the most loving, sincere tributes to Jaws that's ever been committed to celluloid. It's, but it's about a lawnmower and a golf course. 
That's the shark. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and there's so many direct nods and references that are so cute and funny mm-hmm. throughout the thing. And I love the golf course setting. They there's one point where they cut the they have the they're trying to figure out has it this uh this this machine been killing people. They cut the bag open just like the stomach of the shark oh, and all okay. these things fall out. Yeah, like yeah. a Playboy magazine and the, whatever. It's it's so fun. But that's a movie that I rediscovered through the process of Vinegar right. handing it to me. And Vin- video violence is another one. That was a cornerstone for me. I was introduced to the mm-hmm. direct to video world through the first video violence many years okay. ago. And I have a thing for movies set in video stores and around them. And that's one I've always loved. But I, it had kind of fallen off my radar because it sort of existed back in the backwaters of my youth. And then I got hired for it and I just fell in love with it all over again. This weirdo little bizarro movie. So they, they're they kind of like the punk rock part of my catalog. Right. Like ragged, crazy movies, always fun, very light to me because I'm cutting it. I'm right. not there from the very beginning with the stress of the interview prep for most of it and all that and it's always going to be something eclectic and you yeah i i I just love vinegar i'm such a fan of theirs and then shout is uh they they shout has like i mentioned earlier they like the individual interviews Mm -hmm. so where vinegar i can cut things together and make one doc shout wants the individuals which allows me to get further in depth with the people and of course those i'm I'm researching, I'm bringing the people in, I'm mm-hmm. writing the questions, I'm conducting the interviews most of the time in person, sometimes remote, sometimes, you know, it, but I'm there from A to Z on those. And gotcha. so, and those, uh, they allow me, Shout gives me complete free reign to do whatever I want on the titles. I, I say that having not turned anything in that I think is too controversial. So maybe gotcha. if I, if I, <laughs> If I wanted to do something that they might not like, they'd probably say no. But um, I've been very fortunate where I come up with like the white sister thing. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily obvious. And they were totally cool with including that on there. And so they're great because I, I've known them the longest. I'm very close to Jeff and to mm-hmm. Cliff. And Cliff has been more than anyone in this business. He has been such a guiding light for me. And yeah. not just a point of professional assistance with growth and things like that, but his, um, he just is, he's so, he's so dialed in and responsive to things. And, um, we work very well together on stuff and I'm very grateful for that relationship. It's really special. And then Paramount well, and, and shout, there are restrictions because we don't have the, the archives. We don't yeah. have archive stuff. We, so I have to find the elements that I want to bring into it. So in addition to the research I'm doing for interviews, I'm also going and hunting around online for promotional images that we can use, trying to get personal photos or video from the people that are associated with the title. It's a lot more of hunting and gathering with shout yeah, releases the, than anything else. The Chucky else. stuff had deleted scenes, but they were from uh, from television version, but they were from the Sci-Fi Channel too. So they were, and it was S Y F Y. So it was rather well recent. That's been that spelled that way for like what fifteen years now. But <laughs> yeah. I thought that was interesting. I'm like, ah, got them. They're still airing them like that. Awesome. 
Yeah, you just never know what then and they will bring things in like that TV version of King Kong. I had no mm-hmm. idea that that was going to be on there. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting. But that so that the the shout thing is as all encompassing as can be. Yeah. Paramount they don't there there isn't the drive to fill things with as much content on those. So it'll be fewer interviews and, or maybe depending on what we're doing if it's part of the Paramount Presents line, then they're a little more excited about well if I throw like breakdown, for example, I went completely nuts on breakdown. That's like their that might be their best one. Oh, <laughs> the, oh yeah, that one that one's very very good. And that oh the um, Liberty Valance that was a very very yeah that one yeah those are two <clears> of them <throat> that have a lot more than normal. Breakdown was it was one of those it's like big trouble where I, I didn't I didn't want breaks on that <laughs> I didn't not only did I not apply the breaks I didn't even want breaks yeah because I was so excited to do it and. With with Paramount, my executives that I work with internally are all wonderful. And even through the changes that have happened with the company, and luckily my team has remained intact yep. inside there. And uh, man, I honestly expected to go into this working for them and be kind of a number. Because mm-hmm. you think studio, like Shout, you think is like this, and then Paramount is yeah. Paramount. And yeah. I I really fully anticipated being feeling kind of out of my own in an island it couldn't be farther from the truth i mean the the people my team there the team that i work with is so incredible and we're in direct contact with each other all the time even when we're not even when i'm not working with one of the executives on something we're getting together when i'm in town right and we're texting each other about the kids or whatever and their archive team has been one of the most unexpected and wonderful aspects of working with them And this applies to Breakdown. It applies to The Last Castle. Mm -hmm. It applies to a bunch of different things or a bunch of different titles where there are some things that might not be on the sheet on the page in terms of their inventory. Mm -hmm. But I'll go to them and ask the archive team, like, is there any chance that we have this alternate opening for Breakdown? And they'll be like, initially, like, no, we don't have it. But then they'll look and then they, I get this email, like, we actually have it. There was an alternate opening to Breakdown that ended up sort of being forced onto the director. Right. And he wasn't really excited about it and felt he had sort of won a victory in not having it included with the final film. And I understand mm-hmm. his perspective on it completely. Right. But it's one of these things that's entered into mythology to some extent where people, oh, I heard that there's this other thing. And Umbrella put out a release just prior to ours that had some stills from it Mm-hmm. From this, that were kind of screen caps, I think, from a pirated version or something. Okay. But the, but it wasn't the full thing. And yeah. th- through the process of discovery with with the Paramount Archive team, we were able to find uh, the entire thing with audio intact and include it within. You have the option with or without commentary from Jonathan Mostow, the director, where he can explain why he saw what he saw and didn't see in it, whatever. On the last castle, have I told you that story? I maybe I, I'll hear it again. Do you know? Do you do you know the film Last Castle? Yeah, 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 yeah. With uh, Robert Redford. Yeah, it's it, it's and uh, Gandolfini. Yeah, yeah. James Gandolfini, Robert Redford, Mark Redford, Mark Ruffalo, Rod Lurie is the director, and it's this movie for those who haven't seen it about a, a general who gets put in a military prison, and then he kind of leads an over like a, a this revolt within the prison because they have this mm-hmm. awful 
guy, this kind of the warden dude, this colonel played by Gandolfini. This movie has this incredible story and that Rod Lurie shares in the features on it and where he talks about when they were editing it, 9-11 happened. And they had, at that time, their promotional images were two towers of the, from the prison in flames and an upside-down flag. Ooh. It was all wrong for the moment when it was about to land. Right. And so they pulled the marketing on it literally when it was coming out. And so it did almost nothing at the box office, which is a real shame because it's an amazing cast. It's one of Redford's greatest performances, and it's a really stout, quick-moving, just brilliantly written mm-hmm. film. So good. They had shot originally, and I didn't know about this until Rod told me, he mentioned it in the interview, they shot an alternate ending to it where it shows, spoiler alert, Redford's character's funeral, his military funeral. Mm -hmm. And it has this moment of acceptance for his daughter that Rod felt was important enough. That's why they shot this thing is not just to pay tribute to the character, but also for this moment of revelation for his daughter. Anyway, I asked if if this thing existed in the vaults. And they're like, I don't think so. And then I pushed and pushed a little more. And then a couple of weeks later, I get an email. You're not going to believe this. Not only did they, they said, because it had never been touched because they decided mm-hmm. not to include it in the film because of 9-11. They thought it was way right. too handed away to end the movie. And there were already enough military funerals happening, right? So they say, not only do we have it, we have everything from the day. We oh. have all the shots and we have the audio for all of it. And they, and they said, we'll send it to you. And what I was originally going to be doing with it was cutting some little bits and pieces from it into the interview with Rod, yeah. where he's talking about this ending that he shot, maybe just a couple little quick clips. But I was there one day working on this thing. And I thought, what the hell? You know, I, I was waiting for I don't know, some file thing to encode or something. And I had some time and I thought, I'm just going to put this together. I'm going to see how I would cut this scene because I had all the shots, like every take of mm-hmm. each shot, all these things. So I knew how it was supposed to go. And I assembled it and I sent it off to my executive inside. And I said, this is crazy. I just wanted you to see this. Just, this is a scene that no one's ever going to see. Right. But here, take a look at it. And he goes, oh my God, I'm going to run this by marketing. And I was like, whoa. They, marketing comes back. They, they loved it for whatever reason. They're like, oh, this is we definitely want to include this if we can. Let's get it to legal. And that's where I thought we'd hit the brick wall. Right. And then legal looked at it and they're like, no, we can do it. They, they reviewed whatever contracts. So it's on there. So I. So crazy. It's, it is crazy. So I assemble, I edited a, a scene in the last castle technically yeah. and it's on the disc and I couldn't believe it. I, I just really, it still blows my mind. It's not supposed to go that smoothly. <laughs> it's not. No, no. And then I, I had, uh, breakfast with Redford, geez, two years later, mm-hmm. year and a half later, because we were talking about ordinary people and right. which he ended up, the scheduling just didn't work out on it, but the meeting was for him to kind of feel me out on ordinary people and gotcha, yeah. I, and which I have crazy stories behind that too, but, uh, he, tell them <laughs> he, had, he had seen, well, remind me in a second here, okay. he, had, he had seen that cut with the last castle right on it of that scene. And and he, he said, I was so happy that 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 was allowed to happen. And I was like, what? (laughs) 
I just watch Blu-rays and yeah. special features and my special. Dude, it was insane. Oh. I'm sitting in a restaurant with him and everyone's, I mean, you, you just feel his presence when he walks in the room. He's one of yeah. those guys and just larger than life. It's like when Kurt Russell walks in a room, you're just like, jeez, the Mount Rushmore, you know? Yeah. And then we're sitting there and, and it was one of the most humbling, amazing honor moments of my whole life was when he even acknowledged that he had seen it and then he was glad that it existed. And I was really heartbroken that we couldn't get him on board for ordinary people. But um, the the other thing with Paramount, to, to your question about the differences too, is mm-hmm. their openness to things that I was able to bring in. Like when I interviewed um, Kelly Leak for Bad News Bears, Jackie Earl Haley. So okay. on Bad News Bears, I was interviewing Jackie Earl Haley, who played Kelly Leak probably the most iconic character in that whole film short of Walter Matthau is Buttermaker. And he mentioned, he being Jackie mentioned, he's like, yeah. And then it was just in passing. He's like, and then there was a day my dad was on set messing around with his super eight camera. We had just bought and Mm -hmm. it made him put it away. So things were really secretive back then. And I think that my question to him was, did you have any photos from behind the scenes or something? And anyway, we get to talking after the interview I said, does that footage exist that your dad shot? And he said, I don't know. I don't, maybe in my parents' attic or something. Lo and behold, like a day later, he he texts me and he's like, we found it and my wife is going to transfer it. I'm like, what? Wow. I'm like, and it is literally, it is the only behind the scenes footage that exists in the world on Bad News Bears. That's insane. And And it's behind the scenes. It's only like two minutes long. Right. But it's the scene at the beginning where Buttermaker is sitting in his car and he's kind of drinking and he's looking out at that field like, what if, what the fuck, what am I going to do here? I don't know what yeah. to do with these kids. And then a hand reaches in with a lighter and it's Kelly Leaks. It's mm-hmm. Jackie's character. And he lights his Buttermaker's cigar and Buttermaker kind of looks up at him and then Jackie takes off in his motorcycle. Well, this footage that his dad had shot shows everybody. You're seeing Walter Matthau. Wow. You're seeing the car that he's sitting in you're yeah. you see and you see jackie on the motorcycle kind of like getting used to riding the motorcycle and stuff mm-hmm. literally would never have seen the light of day had he and i not had that discussion and that's one thing when i took it to paramount i'm thinking there's like a hundred people in this in this footage there's no way this is going to get cleared yeah because how many i'm thinking releases and who knows what else lo and behold everything was clear and it's on the disc so yeah, I did interview Kevin Smith for that, which was pretty exciting. But yeah, the more exciting thing is that there's this footage of Kelly Lee, right. <laughs> you know, like no, that's, this behind yeah. the scenes thing that ah, that so exciting. Who knows what would have happened to that? Like yeah. it ends up in some, you know, just thrown out, auctioned off, and someone doesn't know what it is. On it was the in film. his like his mom and dad's attic, is where it was, oh. and that's the second time that's happened. That also happened back on Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two. Mm-hmm. the director of that he, ha- he we were talking about when he was a kid he used to make movies when he was little and with his brother and his neighborhood friends and after we were done with the interview i brought it up same as this yeah and i said does this thing exist he goes i don't think so same thing happened where he went found it in an attic in a box i found a box i found a reel this is the footage and everything that he had told me the stories about he sent me the these clips of so we were able to use it that's great in the piece i I remember those yeah okay yeah that was super exciting super exciting that's like when i loved it when uh 
M. Night Shyamalan, when Sixth Sense came out and mm-hmm. uh, Unbreakable, he had bonus features on there that were like his movies he made as a kid yeah with, you know camcorders and stuff like that and i always thought that i was like that's great because i did that on haunt too mm-hmm. with with my friends who made you know the movie haunt, and the we haunt did that yeah, bo- yeah 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 yeah. it was a great box set for ronin mm-hmm. and um my friend scott and brian directed that film and wrote it and they opened up the possibility of including some of their early movies from when they were kids on that too so if you pick up that disc, and I think it made it to both versions of it. It's not just on the box set, I think, but some of their early movies are on there, which are really cool to see because mm-hmm. they were they're very grounded guys who are real into supporting people as they're finding their way creatively, especially right. in the film world. Okay. And for them to be so open and like, yeah, we want to show you the warts and all. Like we want you to see what and maybe you can see what we were trying to do with this, but most importantly, just know that we tried back at that time yeah and i think that's an important element to their story i really do i think that stuff is vital to share i like that yeah like with Shyamalan, i was like most most would have been like embarrassed of that stuff and not when i love that i like i that was when i was you know back they tried to be a filmmaker i'm like i'm gonna do that with my old my stuff i made in high school and i'm gonna try to put that on there and i like um so there's the the Light and Magic documentary on Disney Plus right now that telling the story of industrial light and magic mm-hmm. and a lot of those guys have their they have old footage from their young days screwing around like Dennis yeah. Murin and all those and uh Dykstra and all them showing their stuff they made as kids and it's like <laughs> elite levels above anything we would have ever done oh. at that age but Amazing. it's still really cool to see um just messing around with technology and, and movie making and stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I'm glad that they preserved that. So many, like my parents never filmed any video. I think the only video I had some movies that I made, we used to rent a camcorder from the grocery store and like mm-hmm. a VHS and record straight to that. <clears throat> and it was always goofy, childish, like monkeys on the moon and whatever. <laughs> rent a gorilla suit for a day and make something like that. I don't know where it is. See, I don't have any of that. And my parents didn't save anything or really film us as kids either. So it's cool when people have this, it blows my mind. And then when I hear that it's still around, that's just, I, yeah. I just never assume that's going to be the case. Yeah, I have VHS tapes. I've never transferred over to any digital form of my old stuff. I keep yeah. it for that. I'm like, now you got to watch it on VHS. <laughs> I just have band tapes, like old shows in my bands. That's all I've got on of any of that stuff yeah um uh one like last thing which um what what would be like a dream title no licensing hiccups no nothing like that of a movie that you would want to be the person to put the definitive version of out there maybe something you just a movie just you love or one that you just feel has never gotten the appreciation you'd love to have to work on or has it happened? I mean, it's really happened over and over, over and over. Yeah, it started What's with left the, out there. It started with Halloween. It started. I mean, it's it's been really um just remarkably lucky to have had the chance to have a hand in in these things. I mean, you've talked about a number of them. Like Alligator was a yep. huge one. Big Trouble in Little China. Anything involving the Halloween world. Yeah. Was huge. Krampus, I absolutely love. King Kong was huge for me when I was a kid. I'm just looking at the shelf right now. The Friday the 13th series, of course, is a tremendous honor. 
the uh, Willard. I super love Willard. The Blob remake. Oh, oh yeah, that was great. Forget was about cool. it. Breakdown is one for sure. Uh, Piranha was another one that was huge for me. Sleepaway Camp and the Silent Night, Deadly Night films. Tank Girl. That was massive for me. I still have a huge subway poster. That of was Tank one of your Girl early ones too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that was re- really early. Town of the Dreaded Sundown. I have memories for a long time. I didn't remember the title of that film, but I would bring it up to people and say, I was terrified by this thing at a babysitter's when I was a kid and I can't figure out what the hell it was. And finally, my friend Rob Lamore just finally one day was just like, oh, that's Town of the Dreaded Sundown. I'm like, what? Say that again. Let me write it down. And then I found it on the tape. I still have the VHS tape. It was a good oh, times wow. VHS tape of that. So, and then on to TV series and things like um, Six Million Dollar Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, uh, did you, uh, are you working on Bionic Woman as well? Bionic or? Woman, yeah. And, and that's coming out soon. Those are huge. I don't know what's been announced. Let me see what else we have on the announced thing here. <clears throat> the yes. Child's Play stuff. Go ahead. Speaking of uh, weird TV shows that would be interesting to see, I, I don't know how you do it because there's a lot of stories and episodes, but something on, uh, I was always a fan growing up of Unsolved Mysteries and mm-hmm. like they've put those out on DVD before, but like no one's ever like done stories of like production with oh, those. Yeah. Like, you know, they cast, I mean, Matthew McConaughey was in one of them. Yeah. Um, but just stories of those productions, what it was like, was it eerie to put on these reenact, you know, just crazy stories that could have come from making that show rather than just you know update on the mystery but what about this production that was putting over like constant dramatic reenactments yeah kind of kind of interesting yeah a a monster go home was a huge one bad news bears was big for me when i was a kid too i mean really it's a lot of the things that we've been touching on and talking about here i believe i've I've always been a fan of the house of wax remake oh yeah remake and loosely i guess you could say that but that was so much fun to be a part of and interviewing paris hilton and stuff for that that was cool yeah one that's unexpected maybe that uh that i would love to do and i hope that someone can make it happen at some point is glenn morgan's black christmas oh yeah yeah that one i actually so it like came out in blu-ray in like canada I believe, and then it was only DVD here. He, but, when I interviewed him on Willard, we got into discussing Black Christmas, and it wasn't just him; it was also his cinematographer Robert McLaughlin as well. They both were mourning the fact that Black Christmas looks nothing like what they intended. Okay. Not only is it rearranged, but there's entire sequences and some character stuff cut out. There's new things that were shot without after it was like out of Glenn's hands and. He has long maintained that a, a true cut of that film would be beloved by fans and it would be something completely unlike what people know that movie to be. So if when you're talking about no limits dream type projects, mm-hmm. I would love for Glenn, if nothing else, I would love for that okay. version of Black Christmas to see the light of day. That that uh would I just love the idea of a guy getting vindication right. for that. You know? I, that actually, I mean, that has a pretty solid following. Uh, reg- I mean, even with the cut, it has people coming. Like it took a bit, but I, I think people do really enjoy that one now. Um, that was a that one was under the Weinstein banner because I worked on yep. that DVD when I did quality control. So probably Lionsgate or somebody. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, do that Western Video Collection add it to it i know it's past the vestrid era but why not yeah why not 
But I, I, I don't even know if that stuff exists. He doesn't know yeah. if it exists. The event horizon, when I was working on that, everybody's right. everybody involved is like, we wish that he could have his cut of the film. Like, we wish that th this is not the vision entirely that we all had. And um, the vindication thing is like Lee Harry from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. And showing that footage of him when he was a kid, this home movies and stuff, mm -hmm. really made me feel like, and that's a movie that has been so reviled over time what a lazy movie people say that's right. 90 per, like 50 percent of it's the first movie but he was handed uh, a really i don't know if we discussed this already so forgive me if we have but he was handed an impossible assignment to recut that first movie into right. something new and eliminate the gore that was his assignment the blood yeah what's supposed to be and like a tv version right or something like that and he said to the producer he's like well what if what if we just take that money and give me a couple of days to shoot some things? And then he made this wildly ambitious multi-location, huge car and explosion stunt, yeah. special effect, exploding head movie with this guy, Eric Freeman. And, uh, and I just really, the more I got into that, that one in particular, the more I had respect for him, Lee, especially, mm -hmm. and his writing partner in it, but everybody who was involved in all the preparation they did, for this impossible little movie that ended up being so much more than what anybody would have anticipated. So that's when people might dismiss it, but if you just want great stories about filmmaking and what people had to mm -hmm. go through, I think silent night two was the last one that I was able to do a full fledged all in documentary. Okay. Oh no. Eight legged freaks. I did too. That was gotcha. a COVID production, but so, you know, silent anyway. nights three, four and five are not on Blu-ray yet. So that's, that's Lionsgate stuff. That's I, Lionsgate. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, if they would open their vaults to something, right? Dude, it's oh, they've got so much so sitting much. there. They've got the Ginger Snaps movies, I think, yep. or the yeah. second and third one. They don't, mm -hmm. yeah, because Shout Factory did the first one. But yeah, they've got so much, and they slowly do that vast run. Which, hey, price to own, the pretty good yep. for what they're putting on. I mean, they're putting quality bonus features on those, but yeah, and at like a twelve ninety nine price tag, but still, like, pump them out. Yeah, but. Who who knows who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, you know what? I, it, we've been we've been doing this good. I think it's we could wrap up. Sure, I think we've been going pretty good here. But Justin, thank you so much uh, yeah. for just talking shop here. It's always fun. I I love doing it. I probably could go for another few hours, but I appreciate hey. it, man. It's always fun, and and I'm by myself doing this stuff so much that it's kind of nice to dive in on these discussions when we when we have a chance oh, so yeah, i really appreciate it man. let it all out like okay this is what i've been through um <laughs> but yeah but let people know where they can keep up with uh your stuff from your end of things rather than just you know the normal shop factory methods and things like that mm -hmm. thank you if you go to justinbeam.com it's b-e-a-h-m is the spelling of the last name you can i think yeah i do have there's you can sign up on there to get an email whenever i put a new post up and when I post on there, it's all news. So it's nothing, not a bunch of superfluous stuff. It's when special features or a new title has been announced. Um, when there's a special deal on something, I'll put it on there through whatever distributor. Anyway, that's a very long-winded way to say justinmeme.com. And then just my name on social media. And I post about all that stuff there too. And um, so, yeah. Otherwise, if you go to Shot Factory and vinegar syndrome uh, paramount you can keep up on the paramount present series on amazon is the best place to keep tabs on that outside of the normal other social media channels and this october i'm brought in on 
for TV guides, remind magazine again, hmm. <clears throat> last year I made it all about Halloween and the world of Michael Myers and Haddonfield and whatnot. This year I got them to do all monsters. And so we have oh, a monsters okay. issue coming out this year. We're, we'll be unveiling the cover on that very soon. So remind R E M I N D magazine. If you keep tabs on that, that's coming up. And then I started doing stuff for studio canal and a couple others as well. Oh, wow. Um, okay. That's an in, in arrow and some other companies. So there's a bunch of announcements coming up. And right now, if you're looking at special edition stuff, as we're recording here, I don't know when this is going to land, but I think shout may still have a few copies of the JFK documentary left JFK revisited that I did mm -hmm. with that. Um, uh, Oliver Stone's JFK revisited that we just put out. And I have a, <clears throat> did the commentary on that with, Oliver and his historian partner on the documentary, which is incredibly fascinating. So JFK Revisited just came out from Shout. Anyway, the, bringing this up just to say, Oliver Stone's autograph really doesn't exist in the market. He doesn't do appearances. He doesn't he never do an autograph show or anything. Somehow Shout convinced him to sign some posters. Okay. So if you order this from the Shout website, you can have an option to get it with a signed poster from Oliver. If you're a, oh, if you're wow. an Oliver Stone fan, I mean, it's like it, rarest of the rare, which yeah. is hard to say these days for a lot of things, but it's a, it's a cool thing. You might want to try to pick up if you go to shoutfactory.com and look up JFK revisited. Awesome. So, I don't know. Just a few things off the top of my head. There you go. And sometimes he breathes. It's, it's okay. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. All right. When I'm, well, when I'm not sick. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, I'm of course at uh, on Twitter and Instagram at brand4kuhd written work at whysoblue.com uh, there's of course more from the Brand Peter show this week like always uh, but until then stay film positive thank you for listening the Brandon Peter show is a creative zombie studios production produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters written and edited by Brandon Peters Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>